Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, good morning. How is everybody? All right. Well, it's good to see your smiling faces. You are smiling, aren't you? Okay. It's hard to tell from here. Well, that's great. It's good to be here also, myself. Uh, second day of the feast to enjoy with you guys and uh, to share a little bit. I was I counted an honor that I was asked to share. And so hopefully I can share something that you can take with you and use. It's good to, you know, stuff. We have a lot of stuff at our house, don't we? Some of it we just don't ever really use. And then when you get ready to move, you realize this is a lot of stuff. It's just in the way, taking up space, and I don't really need it, and it's just really cumbersome. And so, but I want to give you something that you can use. So our theme today, or our theme this, this week for the Feast of Tabernacles comes out of Jeremiah 24, 7. <clears throat> it says, And I will give them a heart to know me, for I am Yahweh, and they will be my people, and I will be their El. For they will return to me with their whole heart. Now that's, that sounds good, doesn't it? At first, first glance, that's a, positive, that's a positive statement. I would say, yeah, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good positive statement. But we take this, this verse out of the middle of a big book, like 52 chapters, I believe. We take this verse out of the middle of it, and this is our theme, which is all right. It's a good theme. But what's going on on each side of this verse? What's it even talking about? <clears throat> Why didn't the children of Israel have a heart to know Yahweh? Why didn't they have that already? Wasn't they already Yahweh's people? He says he's going to, they're, they're going to be my people. Wasn't they already his people? Where they were going to return from? Where, were they, where had they been? He says they're going to return to me. Where had they been? There's a lot of questions, three questions right there in this one little verse. I want to, I want to read just a little bit about Jeremiah to kind of set the stage. <clears throat> of what uh, it's about, the book is about. In my Bible, the preface of the Bible, uh, you know, each one of the books, it kind of gives you a little description of kind of what the, that chapter is about and what have you. So I'm just going to read this right quick. It says, Jeremiah came from a priestly family of Anoth, a suburb of Jer Jerusalem. As the author of the longest prophetic book, his career spanned more than 40 years during the reigns of Judah's last five kings and beyond. So 40 years, we got 40 years of writing here in 51 or 52 chapters, something like that. For 41 years of his life is in these few books here. Jeremiah was called by Yahweh when he was still young and, and throughout his long turbulent life consistently had to confront people who had rejected Yahweh for false gods. He warned them that this would cause their destruction, but they refused to repent. So Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, and the people were deported to Babylon. In his famous temple sermon, he told the people that the temple was vulnerable and nearly lost his life for it. Yahshua later drew, on this, uh, drew from this sermon. Before Jerusalem fell, Jeremiah had to deal with lying prophets predicting deliverance and was treated as a traitor. In a letter to those already in exile, he warned about the false prophets in Babylon and told the people to settle down for a long stay giving them instructions for, for preserving their identity. When the city fell, the Babylonians gave Jeremiah the option of remaining in Judah. But he chose to stay. But a band of Jews forced him to go to Egypt, where tradition has it that he died. Even in Egypt, he had to prophesy against worshiping other gods. Jeremiah was one of the most colorful of the prophets, using visual aids to reinforce his message. He was also one of the saddest because his burden was so heavy. The people would not listen to him, and even some of his own townspeople and relatives opposed him and tried to kill him. He had periods of depression over his failure. 
He did not want to be a prophet in the first place. But the urgency of this message was like a fire raging within him, and he could not contain it. His life is an example of total faithfulness to Yahweh, regardless of personal desires and circumstances. So that's a real quick summary of Jeremiah. And I would encourage you to read this whole book. Maybe you could do it this week while, we're, while this is our theme. Read the whole book of Jeremiah and just see how... It, 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 we have a hard time, I think, sometimes relating to some of this because we think we don't deal with that. And I, hopefully I, I can touch on some of that today and make a correlation between their time and our time. Now, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but I don't want to turn back to Yahweh. It's pretty quiet, ain't it? So if, if I'm turning back to Yahweh, that means I've already turned my back on Yahweh, right? So it's better for us to remain, abide in the vine, isn't it? <clears throat> it's better for us to, to remain the sheep of his, if, if, if his pasture and to remain the light of the world rather than to having to go back and retrace our steps. But that's not usually how it goes, is it? We have the Bible full of stories about people who had got off the wrong, the wrong way. <clears throat> we, as people created in the image of the Most High, we're prone to wonder. You know that? That's just a, a natural thing that we faced. We're prone to wonder. And if we continue to wonder, you ever, you're a kid, your mom says, yeah, I want you to play out here in this yard now. I want you to go anywhere. I remember, I remember that. I remember being spanked all the way back, all the way back home one time. I was out of sight, way out in a construction site, and we was in we was living in Spain at the time, and I I was not where I was supposed to be. I couldn't hear my mom's voice. I was out of distance. She came looking for me, and she found me, and so and there was consequences, of course, but. A lot of times we get out of the, of the voice of our maker. We can't hear him. Isaiah 52, 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your Elohim. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You know, when we... When we think that we're doing the right things and we get further and further away your iniquities that's when you when you I looked up that word iniquities and it's more like that's your kind of your character you get to a point you don't hear the heavenly father quite as loudly as you used to hear and that's good for young people to know if you keep man I, sh I shouldn't be doing this I know this is wrong but I'm gonna do it anyway I'm gonna do this anyway and you keep you wandering further away and your maker he can't after a while, his voice is so faint, he cannot, you cannot hear it. And that's what the children of Israel was up against. We need to keep in mind that this book that we're reading, Jeremiah, that was to Yahweh's people. It wasn't about a bunch of heathens in some pagan foreign country somewhere. These were Yahweh's chosen people who he had chosen them specifically for a specific purpose. They wasn't some strangers. They knew all this stuff. And things didn't just get bad over a couple years, did they? This was a, a long period of time. We can read this warning. We just read it, actually. But I have to read part of it again. <laughs> Josh just read, read, read part of this in Deuteronomy. But he, he, he read. He tells him what's going to happen. What's going to happen to you? I don't want you to listen to this very carefully. Deuteronomy 8. What would happen to Israel if they turned their backs on him? Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, it says, you, When you have eaten, now you just got to keep in mind, they're about to enter the promised land. They remember the story. They were, in, in, you know, coming out of Egypt. They remember all this. It's been told over and over again. They're about to enter the promised land. And Yahweh tells them, it says, When you have eaten and you're satisfied, you shall bless Yahweh, your Elohim, for the good of the land which he has given you. 
Beware lest you forget Yahweh your Elohim, but not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and, you, and all that you have has multiplied, then your heart becomes proud and you forget Yahweh your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with, his fiery, uh, with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your own heart, my power and my strength of my hand has made this wealth. But you shall remember Yahweh your Elohim, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And it shall come but to pass, if you ever forget Yahweh your Elohim, and go after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, then I will testify against you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that Yahweh makes to perish before you, so you shall perish, because you would not listen to the voice of Yahweh your Elohim. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? He's giving them fair warning, so they had plenty of time. Now, you've got to keep in mind, <clears throat> this is written about 800 years prior to Jeremiah's time, okay? But we still see Yahweh's patience in Jeremiah's time. 800 years of this, this cycle of, of sin and, and idolatry and all this. And we read in Jeremiah 3, if you want to turn and follow along. Jeremiah 3, 12. <clears throat> Yahweh's pleading. He says, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares Yahweh. I will not look upon you in anger, for I am gracious, declares Yahweh. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against Yahweh your Elohim and have scattered your favors to the strangers under every green tree. And you have not obeyed my voice, declares Yahweh. Return, O faithless sons, declares Yahweh, for I am a master to you, and I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. After 800 years, he's still pleading with them. And we think that Yahweh is not patient. He's pretty patient, isn't he? Still, still pleading with them. As we read through Jeremiah and the other prophets, this is a continuing theme. Israel's falling away, sin, idolatry, and Yahweh trying to woo them back, trying to bring them back. <clears throat> you know, sometimes it seems for the most part that Yahweh's patience with Israel leads to more idolatry. And you're probably thinking, how does that work? Well, look, this, there's a scripture in, in Ecclesiastes 11, 8, 11 says, because the sentence against evil is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are getting fully to do evil. Does that make sense? So if we have an infraction, we go against, and Yahweh just stomps on us and say, hey, this ain't happening. We're not tolerating this. Okay, well, yeah, we're going to back up, aren't we? We're not, we're not going to go down that path because there's consequences there. The consequences are always there. It may be, may be years and years and years, but the consequences are always there. But because it's not executed quickly, we say, well, maybe he wasn't as bad as I, mad as I thought he was. Maybe, maybe I can get away with this again. Maybe I can do this some more. Now, this terrible destruction and captivity that was coming to Judah, <laughs> it didn't become to Judah because they were eating ham sandwiches or maybe not paying their tithe, you know, uh, or didn't get the leavening out of their house. That's not why this calamity was coming up on Israel, on Judah. No, things have gotten far worse than that. Their continued rebellion and turning away from Yahweh, who only, he only wanted the best for them. 
He wants the best for them. Just like we want the best for our children. When we make these rules in our home, we're doing it because we want to protect. We want to, to teach. He's always the same way. He's not trying to keep something good from us. He wants something, everything that's, that's good he wants for us. But their continued rebellion had got them so far from him that they actually sacrificed their children to Molech, Canaanite God. We've read this many times, read about idols and all this. Yahweh tells Israel what happened if they worship Molech also. In Leviticus, um, Leviticus 20, if you want to go with, with me there. Leviticus 20, starting with verse 2. You shall also say to the sons of Israel, any man from the sons of Israel, or from the aliens sojourners in, in Israel, who gives any of his offspring to Molech, shall surely be put to death. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? That's a pretty strong, pretty strong words there. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will also set my face against that man, and I will cut him off from among his people, because he has given some of his offspring to Molech, so as to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. If the people of the land, however, should ever disregard that man, when he gives any of his offspring to Molech, so as to not put him to death, then I myself will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut off from among their people both him and all those who play the harlot after him by playing the harlot after Molech. So, you know, this is where they were at. This is like, say, years and years prior to Jeremiah's time. <clears throat> but when we read in Jeremiah, we see them doing the very same thing, don't we? We see them doing the very thing they were told not to do. In Jeremiah 7, <clears throat> most of my scriptures are coming out of Jeremiah, since that is the, where our theme is at. I thought, hmm, it's pretty fitting that most of our scriptures come out of there. And pretty amazing, you can make a whole message out of it. <clears throat> Jeremiah 7, uh, 30, says, For the sons of Judah have done that which is evil in my sight, declares Yahweh. They have set their detestable things in, my, in the house, which I call by my name to defile it. And they have built high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, and I did not come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when they will no more be called Topheth, or the valley of the sons of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they will, for they will bury in Topheth, because, they have, because there is no other place. Flip over to verse 19. He touches on it there as well. Verse 19, uh, chapter, uh, verse 4. says, Because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known, and because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent and have built the high places to Baal, to burn their sons in the fire as burning an offering to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter into my mind. So here they were, years and years later, doing the very thing they were told not to do. Burning their children. Offering their children. Now, that is beyond our comprehension, I believe. <clears throat> This, this sounds horrific, and it is horrific. How can anybody do this? Offer their children. Burn their children. So maybe we need to look at it, maybe from their perspective. <clears throat> so we all like prosperity, don't we? You like prosperity. I like prosperity. Basically, everybody in the whole world, they like that. We like to have nice things, drive a nice car. We like to eat well. We don't have to be worried about our food, where it's going to come from. We like to have good water to drink, clean water to drink. We like all those things. 
We like to have security that these life-sustaining things that, that we need so badly will be there for us when we need them. We want that security, don't we? This is pretty basic stuff. Basic needs for all humanity that everybody needs and wants. <clears throat> so this worship of Molech, what was it about? I feel like it was more of an economic move for them. You know that? On the part of those people at that time, it was more of an economic move. And I think you will find most of idolatry is that way. It's an economic move. So let me explain what I'm talking about. They didn't, when these people worship these idols, they don't view, you know, we, we see this evil-looking thing, you know, that we've created in our minds. They didn't see this idol that way. They didn't, they didn't see it that way. They didn't see some devil-looking thing and, and, and evil. And they didn't think they were even doing evil. You know that? They wasn't Satan worshiping. Now, we have Satan worshipers today, but I, I don't think in their minds that they were literally, oh, I'm worshiping Satan. No. I don't think so. But in reality, they were. So what am I saying? In, first, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says that Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So they're worshiping this Molech or Baal, thinking all the time they're, they're doing some, something good here. You know, what's wrong with this? Now, it's, it's my understanding, you know, that Molech was the god of weather and agriculture. Okay? So this is long before Walmart. You know, long before Brookshire's, Kroger's, and all that. You couldn't just, so most, most of society understood you had to plant stuff in the ground, and it had to grow. They understood that. A lot of people today don't understand that, but they did at that time. <clears throat> and so, why I say it was an economic move, it was an insurance policy for them. We all have insurance, don't we? We got auto insurance, car insurance, life insurance. We got insurance we don't need. We got insurance for that toaster we just bought. You know, we, they, they, they sell insurance for everything. <clears throat> but it was, this was an insurance policy. And this slow process of moving away from Yahweh as their provider and his instructions for their well-being, we see Satan posing, Satan is posing as Molech the one who would supply their needs. Satan has become an angel of light. He's posing as Molech. Yahweh tells him that this devotion to this evil God is not going to work. Turn with me, if you will, to uh, Jeremiah 5. Verse 17, it says, now, now, Jeremiah is predicting they're fixing to be taken over. The Babylonians are coming. They're going to be taken over. And this is what's going to happen. He's telling them right here. Jeremiah 5, 17. He's talking about the Babylonians. They will devour your harvest and your food. They will devour your sons and your daughters. They will devour your flocks and your herds. They will devour your vines and your figs. They will demolish with the sword your fortified cities in which you trust. The very things that they're worshiping Molech for are going to be devoured by their enemy. Drop over to uh, verse 23. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. They do not say in their heart, Let us now fear Yahweh, our Elohim, who gives us rain in its season, both the autumn rain and the spring rain, who keeps, us for, the anointed, who keeps for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. You see what's going on here? They're worshiping Molech, praying to this Molech that it might rain, that they might have harvest and all that. And Yahweh's saying right here, he, you're not going to get the rain. You've turned away from Yahweh who gives the rain in its season, in the autumn rain. The season right here of the feast, we're celebrating part of that right now. That's what we're doing. <clears throat> Yahweh asked a question in Jeremiah 14, 22. He says, Are there any among the idol, idols of the nations 
who can give rain? You're always asking that question. Is there any of these idols that can give rain? Or can the heavens grant showers? Is it not you, O Yahweh, our Elohim? Therefore we hope in you, for you are the one who has done all these things. You remember the story of the prophet Elijah? They had a little showdown against the prophets of Baal. You know, you know the story. So Elijah had predicted a drought, and there was a drought, a three-year drought. Somehow or another, Elijah survived it. I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah. Yahweh provided, that's right. Yahweh provided food, and he provided water for Elijah. But it comes to a point that there's going to be a showdown. These prophets of Baal, I'm just kind of briefly recant repeating this, but the prophets of Baal and Elijah, they have a little contest. It says, hey, whoever can bring down fire from heaven to consume this offering will follow that God. We're going to follow that one. That's easy enough. That's pretty simple. We'd all agree to that, wouldn't we? So we know the story. Prophets of Baal, they try, they try, they, they do all their things and all this stuff. They're praying to the one who's supposed to bring rain, bring the harvest. That's who they're, they're praying to. Nothing. Crickets. They don't hear nothing. And of course, we know the story that Elijah, he prays, and the fire comes down in a big time, in a big way, consumes the offering. And what does Elijah do right after that? He goes and prays for rain. There's an abundance of rain. An abundance of rain. The drought is broken. And the false gods did not come through, did they? Well, we say, ah, man, I mean, that's, that's... True, but we would never do that. We, we're not going to sacrifice our children to Baal or, or Molech. We're not doing that. <clears throat> you know, I think abortion <clears throat> many times is an economic decision. It's an economic decision. We dispose of a life, so, and we're, we, justif- we justify it, so we, can't be, so we won't be inconvenienced. We won't be, and kids cost money. We all know that. But in our culture, we sacrifice in different ways. Public school, that's another way we sacrifice our kids. So both parents can work, or so we don't have to be encumbered with the task of teaching our children. There's a lot of work teaching our children. But public schools can do that for us. Just let, we'll just let them deal with it. We'll try to vote in the right people so they are taught well. We send them off to be indoctrinated by the public school system. And that's what's going on. We see it over and over and over again. And it's getting worse and worse. Not only in the public schools, but even the colleges, the same way. And I'm not saying to everybody, if, I, I will say, if, if I'm having brain surgery, I would hope that the person who's doing it has had a little college. Okay, I, I just, I think some things you need some college for. But for the most part, I, I mean, there's so many people I know who, they, they get a degree. When we was doing this building right here, there was a guy here from, from Massachusetts. He was working in the air conditioning system. I said, uh, I just kind of, just talking to him a little bit. He said, uh, he was from Massachusetts. I said, well, what are you doing down here? I said, I'm, I'm, I got away from up there and, I'm just, I love doing this kind of stuff. He used to install in the air conditioning. I said, I went to college up there and I got some degree in computer programming and all this stuff, but I hate doing that, you know? And so this happens all the time though. But, in the, in, but another thing that happens all the time is you take good people, solid kids, you send them off to college and they're a child of the devil when they leave. This happens all the time. I'm not saying it happens for everybody. And I'm not saying there's not good people that, that go and, and thrive. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying is, this is another way we sacrifice our children. TV and video games is another way we sacrifice our children. So we don't have to be bothered with them. They can be mesmerized and influenced by this culture, this make-believe culture. 
Isn't that crazy? Now see, in these modern times, we can sacrifice our children and worship our idols in a more civilized manner. And we think nothing of it. Does that make sense? We're doing it in a more civilized manner. And we really think nothing of it. Besides this evil practice of human sacrifice, we see that Israel and Judah prostituted themselves with the gods of the Canaanites. Over and over again, we read Yahweh's warnings about worshiping these other gods. And then it expressed, it's expressed as harlotry and prostitution. In other words, not being true to their husband, Yahweh. In some ways, this is just a figure of speech. They're using it as a figure of speech, but... In a lot of ways, it's fact. It's exactly what they were doing. I got an article, just a little snippet of an article here by Ray Vander Lane that the world may know in, in the book. He says, <clears throat> Asherah was worshipped in various ways, including ritual sex. It's weird. <clears throat> now, the, the kids listening here, they may not hear a word I say. But if you say the word sex... It, Ears pop up. You know, everybody comes real attentive, don't they? So pay attention. Asher was worshipped in various ways, including through ritual sex. Although she was believed to be Baal's mother, she was also his mistress. Pagans practiced sympathetic magic, which is they believed that they could influence the gods' actions by performing the behavior they wished the gods to demonstrate. Believing the sexual union of Baal and Asherah produced fertility, they worshipped, engaged in moral, immoral sex to cause the gods to join together, ensuring harvest. Here it is again. It's an economic move on their part. This practice became the basis for religious prostitution. The priest or male member of the community represented Baal. The priestess or female members of the community represented Asherah. In this way, Yahweh's incredible gift of sexuality was perverted to the most obscene public prostitution. No wonder Yahweh's anger burned against his people and their leaders. And we are seeing that today. I'm, I mean, it is, we are seeing it. Even the writer of Romans, he touches on this. We, we have to read this because it's so, it, it makes so much sense today in light of what we're dealing with. <clears throat> it says uh, Romans 1.18 For the wrath of Yahweh is revealed from heaven against ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We're having that done today, aren't we? The truth is being suppressed and unrighteousness. There's an agenda going on, and they're suppressing the truth. Because that which is known by Yahweh is evident within them, for Yahweh made it evident to them. It's evident. It's evident that there's two genders. It's pretty evident, okay? Yahweh made it evident. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen. It's not been hidden. It's been right out there for the public, for everybody to see being understood through the what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew Yahweh, he's talking about people that knew Yahweh. He's talking about his people. We're not dealing with these pagans. We're talking about his people. For even though they knew Yahweh, they did not honor him as Yahweh or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man, of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore Yahweh gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to the impurity that their bodies might be dishonored among them. You know, if we want, if we're desperate, if we're hell-bent on going to hell, he's going to let us go that way. You know that? He will just, at some point, he's not going to hold you back. He's not going to restrain you. And this is what we're reading right here. Yahweh gave him over. So if you want to go that way, I'm pleading with you. That's what we read in Jeremiah. 800 years, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. But if you're determined to go that way, then so be it. 
For they exchanged the truth of Yahweh for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, Yahweh gave them over to degrading passions for the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they didn't just as they did not see fit to acknowledge Yahweh any longer, Yahweh gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Have you ever tried to give your point of view to somebody on some of these topics? And they, they don't hear it. What should be black and white? What should be right and wrong, good and evil? It's so obvious that a child can figure it out. They can't get it or either they won't get it, one or the other. And it just blows me away. And I, you know, there's a time when, when the people, they just, they just refuse to hear it. You just walk away. Don't keep trying to bang your head against the, against the wall because you're not doing any good. Walk away and say, you know, may Yahweh judge. And he will. Verse 28, And just that they did not see fit to acknowledge Yahweh, any longer, Yahweh gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of Yahweh, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And, all they, and although they know the ordinance of Yahweh, they know the ordinance of Yahweh <laughs> that those who practice such things are worthy of death they not, they not only do the same but also give hearty approval to those who practice them wow they know Yahweh but they still do it it's amazing isn't it have you ever known something is wrong and you still do it Probably so. We've all done it. We know something's wrong, and we still do it anyhow, because that's our sinful nature. You know, we live in a, a sex-saturated culture today, don't we? You listen to the radio advertisements, trying to sell you products for ED or some STDs or a website that you can find true love. <clears throat> you can't even drive through a major city without seeing nudity and just all these ads on billboards, everywhere you go. It's even worse on television. <clears throat> you get another, more senses involved with television. Viewing these advertisements, just about every movie or sitcom or series has some character who's either transgender or homosexual, or they're, they're living in adultery, they're living in fornication, they're doing all these things, everything that Yahweh condemns they're doing it but you have to have some character that's participating in this to make to make this uh, worth watching in their eye <clears throat> magazines same way in the internet filled with content about the latest fashion <clears throat> how we're supposed to look and dress most of these ideas are for people who hate Yahweh you know that? When you, when, you watch, when you look at these, oh, this is the latest trend, whatever it may be, and it, this applies to men and women both. The latest trend, this is the latest fashion. These people who are, they hate Yahweh. They don't care. They want to sexualize everything that they do. And why is that? Because sex sells. That's the bottom line. Sex sells. And just like people in Jeremiah's time, we buy into it. <clears throat> now, here again, I'm just reminding you that these were Yahweh's people we're talking about. It's incredible to me that Yahweh's very people got so far away, so far removed. <clears throat> and they didn't totally abandon Yahweh, though, you know? They just incorporated this pagan worship 
with the worship of Yahweh. They didn't, it would be one thing if we just got rid of this all, all the way and we just started doing this pagan, this idolatry. But they didn't do that. That's not what they did. They didn't want to hear the hard truth. They, uh, they were content just to coast along and don't rock the boat. Jeremiah 5.31, it says, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority. And my people love it so. My people love it so. Can't they compare what Yahweh's word says and what the priest is saying or what the prophet is saying? He says, and they just love it so. But what will you do at the end? Paul pretty much says the same thing when he writes in, in 2 Timothy uh, 4.3. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. If you want to do something bad enough, you can find somebody who tells you it's okay. I guarantee you. You can do it. If you want to be depraved, you can find somebody who says, this is all right, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we hear these arguments all the time. Jeremiah speaks of this same thing again. Turn with Jeremiah 7. <clears throat> Jeremiah 7, 1. Now, Jeremiah, just listen here. The word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh saying, Stand at the gate of Yahweh's house. Okay, I want you to stand at the gate. I don't want you to be on a street corner somewhere where there's nobody. I want you to stand at the gate of Yahweh's house. Because why? Because that's where people are coming. They're coming to Yahweh's house. And proclaim there this word. And say, hear the word of Yahweh, all you of Judah. And enter by these gates to worship and to worship Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Even now, you're coming in, you're mixing your worship, but even now, if you amend your ways, you change your ways, I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, this is the temple of Yahweh. This is the temple of Yahweh. This is the temple of Yahweh kind of repetitive isn't it they just want to it's an emphasis they're trying to make an emphasis for we believe in Yahweh like the Jewish people we're Jewish people you know sometimes we we take pride I'm American I'm American I'm pretty proudful I'm American okay we take pride in all these things thinking that's going to negate all the evil that we do doesn't make sense For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after the other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave you, uh, gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you still murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and, uh, and offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known? Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, that you may do all these th- abominations. Here you are walking into my house. Say, We're delivered. We're, this is the house of Yahweh. Look at us. We're doing so good. But they had mixed their religion, hadn't they? You know, the funny thing about deception is the people that are deceived don't know it. That's why they call it deception. The people that are deceived don't know it. They literally do not know it. And through the Holy Spirit that can quicken our minds and, and, and open us up, to help us understand some of these things. We have to lay our feelings aside and make sure that our thought process aligns with Yahweh's word. If we're serious about life in general, we have to make sure that our thought process is in alignment with Yahweh's word. 
We might not, must, must not listen to those in authority who would t- try to twist. When I say authority, I was th- I, I, maybe I'm not using the right word there. Maybe I should say people in, in influence with influence. Could be the media, could be a professor, could be a teacher, could be a policeman, it could be a government official, could be a pastor. If what they're saying does not line up with Yahweh's word, then we need to question that. <clears throat> so what's the solution? Surely there's a solution. We have this beautiful verse. So what's the solution? You know, it doesn't matter if we're in the first century or the 21st century. If we're living in the Stone Age or the technology age, we're living in ancient times or if we're living in modern times, there are some things that don't and will never change. There's never changed through the very beginning of time. Some things that run true all the way through. And it's the old paths. The old paths. You know, you've seen, uh, when I, we lived in Emory when I was a kid. Man, we run through the woods and we, we made trails. We made bridges across creeks and, and uh, we had trails everywhere that we would run. And you could go years later and that trail would still be there. Nobody's using it, but that trail is still there. Old paths. <clears throat> The old paths have been traveled for thousands of years by many, many people. These old paths. And it's always got the people to their destination. You know that? It never once led them off course. Never one time has it led them off course. The old paths gave them to the, got them to their destination. Now, they may not have lights on them. May not be loud music playing. But the path will get them to their, to their place. Jeremiah mentions them in, in Jeremiah 6.16. It says, Thus says Yahweh, Stand by the ways, see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But what did they say? Nah, we're not going to walk in it. That's pretty bold, isn't it? We're not going to walk. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you security. No, we're not going to walk in it. It does not make any sense whatsoever. It is said of Yahshua in Hebrews that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yahweh says in Malachi, says, For I am Yahweh, and I do not change. These old paths do not change. Even in Jeremiah's time, they did not change. When they were first instituted, you know, they said, you, you stay on this path and it will get you to where you're wanting to go. It will get you into that promised land. They said, we're not going to do it. These people had gotten off the ancient path. They were looking for a shortcut, thinking that the worship of Baal would be, give them more insurance for their productive harvest. They went down the wrong path so far that they couldn't hear the voice of their maker. This is how sin works. It starts out small, and many times we're still going through the motions. We're still praying. We're still reading the Bible. We're still coming to services. We're doing all these things, and we're worshiping our idols at the same time. This is how sin works. <clears throat> the same, sometimes, as in the case of Israel, the leadership is taking us down the wrong path. But not speaking the truth or speaking out against sin. And then when this happens, what are we doing? We're making an image. We're making an idol ourselves, how we think Yahweh should be. We think Ah, Yahweh, and I've heard this argument so many times. I don't think he, he this is not as bad as you think. I mean, let, let people do, they're making an idol into their, in their own image of what they think how Yahweh should act and how he should be. 
It tells us how he should be. It's not, it's not a surprise. I got scripture right here in Matthew, Matthew 7, 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter it. Broad way that leads to destruction. It's easy access. You can get in and out of this place easy. I mean, it's just, it'll, it'll not encumbered. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are they, those who find it. Few are those who find that path. So we end up reading, like we read in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 8.20 says, The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. You hear what I said? The summer is past. And the harvest is ended. And we are not saved. All this energy, all this idol worship, all these things that I thought was going to bring the harvest, was going to bring the rains for my security, nothing we don't have nothing it's passed away and here we are here we are at the at the fall in this fall feast right now summer has passed we're right here and we're not saved we want our own security don't we we don't want to miss that window of opportunity the growing season is over for this year. For this, for this area, most, most all the country, people are harvesting everything and it's pretty much done for the year. Where do you stand? Where do I stand? The same thing goes for us. When we compromise Yahweh's instruction, we put our trust in ourselves, in men, the church, the government, and we get off the ancient paths we find ourselves unfulfilled, don't we? Unsatisfied and empty. And the only option is to come full circle. Come all the way back around. Get back on the path and keep your eye on the prize. And pray for the spirit of conviction. That we would hear his voice. That Yahweh would give us a heart to know him. And realize that he is Yahweh. And that we will be his people. And he will be our L, and that we will return to him with our whole heart. That's my prayer today. Yahweh bless.